Hello everyone. Wow, this is really explosive. We've got three big episodes locked together. We're gonna talk about the lockdown files. This is a really big deal. But remember, before we go there, it started all here. Do you remember this? Does anybody else remember this the way I do? To use lockdowns to get people vaccinated. You use lockdowns to get people vaccinated. You use lockdowns to get people vaccinated. You don't use compelling data or arguments. You have to scare people or in this case, jail them, deprive them of their freedom and tell them that the way out of their little locked box is if you do what we want you to do. That is a form of coercion. And of course, that was Fauci explaining that. And as it comes to light that Fauci, of course, was hiding gain of function research and doing other nefarious things. Wow, this is a really bad look and I'm glad we all have it on tape. But in the UK, we just got treated to this, the Telegraph coming down with something called the lockdown files. Matt Hancock, I'll introduce you to him in just a second, rejected expert advice on care home, care home, nursing home testing, WhatsApp messages reveal. So they got 100,000 texts. Now, I have to be cautious here because I believe the texts are real, but I'm wondering if they aren't meant to deflect or otherwise take us away from another part of the story, which is what's coming up in part three of this particular episode series. So what happened here? So 100,000 texts given to some journalists, she pours through them, starts writing this stuff, some explosive things are in there. And for example, in August of 2020, so remember COVID's raging, right? We're all in lockdown. Hey, let me get my draw tool out here because you know I like that. So Matt Hancock, the health secretary saying, hey, we have a new tool that Jenny Harries has been developing to define your risk should you be exposed to COVID. Age is the biggest determinant, then sex, followed by other conditions, including obesity. So um, actually, I really doubt that sex was more important than obesity. So he had that wrong, but you could see we already had, we, that something that I was reporting on early on in 2020 was that, well, um, there was an age stratification. There was a risk stratification. It wasn't a one size fits all. We have to lock everybody down. Uh, We need to give these vaccinations to everybody, right? That didn't make sense. And they knew that. They already knew age was the biggest determinant. Of course, how could you miss that, right? Carrying on, he wrote here in his WhatsApp message to a Boris Johnson, who was then prime minister of the UK, said, what this means is that the overall mortality is pretty meaningless because the mortality of high risk groups is still very high, but low risk groups is very low. There's the sort of nuance you would expect, but they were only sharing this sort of nuance privately amongst and between themselves as they were going out in public doing the big scare for everybody's benefit, shall we say. Um, Boris Johnson writing back, very importantly, Matt, as I read this chart, an 80-year-old COVID patient has a 6% chance of dying. And if you're under 35, your chances are negligible. If I were an 80-year-old and I was told that the choice was between destroying the economy in taking and risking my exposure to a disease that had a 94% chance of surviving, I know what I would prefer. Matt Hancock, defending the, the beast here, says, chances of dying is under 35 is negligible, but you still transmit. So it's important to let people know their risk. The big challenge is whether it's possible to segment those with the higher risk. Of course it's possible, but they didn't do that. They didn't do any of that. They were having these nuanced conversations and then coming out with their big club 
saying everybody's got to get locked down. Everybody's the same. They treated everybody the same, especially not just under 35, but once you get under 20, under 15, under 10, the, the risk just dropped to zero for all practical purposes. So again, we could have had a nuanced conversation that said, listen, everybody under 35, go about your lives. If you happen to have the sniffles or a cough or something, don't go near somebody who seems to be exposed. And then you take your highest, most vulnerable people, risky people, and you protect them. So that would have been possible, right? That's what we could have done. All right, so carrying on with this particular uh, thread, you can see this was the one we ended with up here. Patrick Valence, who we outlined as somebody who was there at the early Fauci meetings to figure out how to hide the lab leak thing, is in here weighing in, talking about, well, yeah, it's a you know, 4% uh, is the case fatality rate, not the infection fatality rate, which would be vastly lower down here somewhere. So again, we knew about, and they knew like back in 2020, before we forgot that a case is different from an infection, a case fatality rate, a CFR is different from an infection fatality rate, which is an IFR. Somehow that all got lost in a case became an infection, became a whatever as we went through the testing nightmare. Remember, this is back when we were still doing and that for a whole other year still, they were using these PCR tests not fit for purpose. They gave us terrible results, lots and lots of false positives. They were running the cycle thresholds at 40, if you remember all that terminology from back then meaning that these things were just bogus. And they knew that, but they knew that the infection fatality rate was going to be tenfold less than the case fatality rate or more, right? Yep. So at any rate, uh, we got all these other people in here weighing in about this whole thing. And, you know, they did. They had a proper note explaining it all uh, later. So that's what they had. Now, remember, Matt Hancock, he's the Home Health Secretary at this point in time. He has a very important job, which is not bollocksing this whole thing up, which he did. He just totally, totally bollocks the whole thing up. So Matt Hancock, that's a familiar name. What, what else is he famous for? Uh, oh, yeah, this is that hit man Hancock. He, somebody forgot to tell his big complaint about this picture is why didn't they tell me they installed cameras in my office? <laughs> so at any rate, Matt Hancock, of course, caught uh, in a picture kissing a married woman. And of course, Matt Hancock's wife found out in this awkward way, along with everybody else, that Matt Hancock was doing this right at the same time that he's telling everybody you have to distance Old people have to die apart from their loved ones because we can't risk having people come into the hospitals or the care homes where they're dying, that people couldn't have um, weddings, that they couldn't attend things, and everybody had to be masked up. Fear, fear, fear. And I don't see a lot of fear here uh, on this guy and um, just some inappropriate hand placement there. So, um, hey there, just taking a little break from the action. As you watch episodes like this, do you feel crazy? You know, you feel maybe isolated, alone. If that's your problem, have we got a relief package for you? It's called Membership at Peak Prosperity. What do we do? Well, we have the number one online resilience community, but most importantly, well, we have that community. These are people who can add one plus one, get to two every single time. We are logical, we're consistent, and we're very welcoming. So if you ever thought maybe, hey, I wanna find my tribe, let me tell you, now's the time. Believe me, now's the time. So we're having a special offer here for the first 25 people who see this and sign up, use this code, you'll get 20% off. And uh, I gotta let you get back to the episode now and I gotta get back to, well, boiling all this maple syrup right here because that's the time of the year it is. Carrying on, Matt Hancock here 
writing in this string again saying, hey, um, why don't we frighten the pants of off everyone with the new strain? <laughs> I got an idea. Here he is talking to the um, Damien Poole, who is at this time head of sort of communications for this whole thing. So Matt's got a bright idea because he's a bright guy. Didn't know there were cameras in his office, but otherwise a bright guy. Um, said, hey, let's frighten the pants off everyone with the new strain. Right? Dominic Poole's like, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's what will get proper behavior change. That's it. We'll scare people with these new strains. Yeah, Matt Hancock says, when do we deploy the new variant? You could read that a couple of ways. I'll be generous and assume what he meant was, um, when do we deploy our messaging around the new variant so they know about the new variant, but they're not telling anybody because they're waiting for the right time because they want maximum impact. This is about achieving compliance, your compliance in the UK. They wanted you to go along with everything the government was saying, no questions asked. Didn't matter if it was nonsense, didn't matter if it wasn't supported by the data, you were expected to go along with this in the UK because they said so. And particularly Matt Hancock, who is obviously not the brightest bulb in the drawer. So at any rate, that's what they, that's what they were saying here. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been thinking more about this, uh, Damon Poole says here, and I think we need to be more cautious, the strain that is. I think you made a point earlier, but we need to keep schools off paperwork slash agenda. Oh yes, let's keep the schools off of this thing. Worth doing a bit about uh, no leaking at the top, I think. Big risk with the variant right-wing papers. Go for a renewed push to let it rip, let the infection rip on the basis the vaccine strategy is undermined. Yeah, that's why we reassure on the vaccine. So they already knew the vaccines weren't working against these other variants. This is this is early in the whole cycle of going through the vaccine thing. So here they are just saying, yeah, when do we break out this new scariant, right? Well, this is really bad because uh, as, um, as, the, uh, as the newspaper over there is reporting it right now, they're showing his tweet there of when do we deploy the new variant against this was the programming coming out of the nudge units. That's what another episode in this series is going to be about. Exactly how they ran these PSYOP campaigns. I mean, look at this. You've got your caution tape here, which is stay home, protect the NHS, save lives, look them in the eyes and tell them the risk isn't real. And of course, the eyes of people who are look like they're dying with their oxygen masks on there. So that's what he was saying at the same time, obviously, I suppose, I hope he looked her in the eyes and told her the risk that she was uh, up against in this whole thing. So, a uh, really great collection of putting this all together here from coronavirus plushie, that's at C underscore plushie here on Twitter. Let's, um, let's just listen in, because a great job lining up the tweets against what was happening out there in the real world at the time. Over the last few days, Thanks to our world-class genomic capability in the UK. And I'm also the proud shareholder of Genomics England. We have identified a new variant of coronavirus, which may be associated with the fastest spread in the southeast of England. I need to tell the House that over the last week, we've seen very sharp exponential rises in the virus across London, Kent, parts of Essex and Hertfordshire. The Health Secretary has told MPs that London and parts of Essex and Hertfordshire will move into England's highest tier of COVID restrictions on Wednesday. We have to take swift and decisive action, which unfortunately is absolutely essential to control this deadly disease. 
while the vaccine is rolled out. We must do what it takes to protect our loved ones and our NHS now. I know these steps are hard, but we must not waver as we enter the final stretch, so that when we look back on this time of crisis, we can all say that we played our part. This news about the new variant has been a, a, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. What I'd say to every single person is that if you act like you have the virus, then that will stop the virus from spreading to others. When we put in place restrictions like this, the, 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 we know the huge impact that has on people's lives. And, and you know, I had to call my mum last night and say, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to see you at Christmas. Obviously, the good, hopeful news is that the vaccine is on its way, but we've got to stick together now and we've got to, we've got to all play our part in getting this back under control. The what, plea sorry, that I have, jump in, is the, that, the what, plea that I have, is that the plea that I have is that people will play their part because it's only by acting all of us that we can keep this and get this under control. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been such a tough year for so many people and there's William Shakespeare putting it so simply for everybody that, you know, we can get on with our lives. I've still got this worry that we can't blow it now, Piers. We've still got to get the vaccine to millions of people and so we've got to keep sticking by the rules. But it's just... You know, there's so much work gone into this, and I'm really, really, it makes you proud to be British. Wow, that is really a great job by Coronavirus Plushie putting together a really awful, awful sequence. I mean, this is just, this is full stop. This is completely unacceptable behavior. This is jail time, criminal time, fines, all that stuff. By the way, I'll put a lot of money down on the idea that Matt did spend Christmas with his mom. All right. No chance at all that he <laughs> told her that he couldn't come for that Christmas and, and uh, stuck to that. Not a chance in the world because they were we, we now know that uh, 10 Downing Street, which is, you know, the equivalent of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But over in England, right, that that they were holding parties during that same Christmas cycle. That was a huge scandal. And again, listen, here's the story. Team Elite. Your rulers, your leaders were busy telling you A while they were themselves doing B. They told you you couldn't go to gatherings and they held gatherings. They were saying you had to wear a mask for everybody's benefit while they didn't wear masks at all. They told you that you had to do this while they didn't do that themselves. Obviously, I mean, that's how this whole thing went. So this whole scandal is really awful because it shows just the degree of depravity that was actually in line. Now, what was really going on with all of this as we go through it? How bad was it? So here we see um, this is uh, Boris Johnson. This is another article in that series. Great series. Everybody should read it in The Telegraph talking about this. This was one of the other articles. Britain's second lockdown was based on very wrong COVID data at just as Boris Johnson had feared. And so when we look at this, uh, oops, what happened? The Telegraph got this cache of what apps messages here uh, in quote between, of course, uh, Boris Johnson, Professor Sir Chris Whitty, um, the chief medical officer for England, Sir Patrick Valence, chief scientific advisor. You've heard him his name show up here on the program before. And Dominic Cummings, the prime minister's chief advisor and Matt Hancock. Okay, and then in one exchange on November 1st of 2020, Mr. Johnson explained he had been on a video conference call with scientists. Dr. Ragi Bali and Dr. Carl Hennigan, 
and he told the WhatsApp group that Dr. Hennigan had said the death modeling you have been shown is already very wrong. So this is these infamous models um, out of uh, out of that group. And um, those that were just used to scare everybody. Those and these models. Anytime I hear model now, I just couldn't possibly question that result more quickly. The previous day, Mr. Johnson had announced an impending national lockdown and partly justified his decision by showing the public modeling, predicting that 4,000 people a day could die if no action was taken, right? Mr. Johnson shared a link with the group that suggests the modeling, which had been drawn up three weeks prior to the press conference, was out by a factor of four. So what did they have? Well, they had this. This was the chart that he showed everybody. Oh my gosh, look at this huge giant wave. But this was the actual data that was tracking in underneath that. And so they already had this data in hand, which was already off by a factor of four at this moment here. And of course, it was off by a factor of five or more by the time it actually peaked out here. Um, so, so what do you do? You have this, you could either do the right thing or you could scare people more and lock them down for the next holiday season. What do you do? Well, of course, you lock them all down. And then privately, you complain by WhatsApp with your other people like, is this the right thing? Should we be doing this? Should we not be doing this? Right? But of course, every single time, remember, once is an accident, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. When they do it 10 times in a row and always ends up with the same result, which was we're going to lie about the data, we're going to overstate the risk, we're going to try and scare everybody so that we can do more lockdowns and convince more people that everybody has to be vaccinated. You do that to save mom, grandma for the community. You do it because you're a good citizen. You do it because it stops the spread. Doesn't stop the spread. Well, then it stops you from getting sick. Doesn't stop you from getting sick. Well, then on and on and on. They just changed effortlessly. Here's the thing. I expect politicians to be scalawags and scoundrels, but the press, they're not supposed to just be quietly lapdogging that along and doing anything other except for their job, which is to question things and put things in context. So the press gets an F, just an F minus in this whole process. It was awful, really poorly done. How poorly done? Well, the prostitutes, as I'm going to call them here, are there. So here in April of 2020, Matt Hancock says, hey, I need to call in a favor now. He's talking to George Osborne, the editor of the Evening Standard. And he says, hey, I currently have 22,000 spare slots tomorrow at my drive throughs Oh, and uh, did I mention I own stock in the company that does those things? Because we saw that in that earlier clip. I got 22 spare slots at my drive throughs for testing. Hence, I've extended eligibility today. Demand just isn't there. People aren't buying my product. Can you help? This is obviously good news about spread of virus, but but hard for my target and my wallet. So I could really do with a testing splash. Hey, can you make this happen? And George Osborne, prostitute lapdog that he is, says, yes, of course. All you need to do tomorrow is give some exclusive words to the standard. I'll be sure to tell the team to splash it, right? You're almost there. Send me the words by 8 a.m. tomorrow. So you know me, I'm like, well, that was April 28th. What was the front page of the Evening Standard looking like on April 29th? Sorry, it's a little blurry. Best picture I could find. It says, get virus test to help <laughs> help out, help put London back on its feet, urges Hancock. There it is, uh, right there on the, on the April 29th issue. And of course, they were right there for all the rest of it. 
you know, yeah, the Evening Standard was busy. Killer virus now spreading fast. Free fall, you know, virus deals record battering onto the economy. So they were there to help just make this whole thing absolutely as bad as possible. Scare people, use the scariants, uh, try and drive people towards testing and vaccinations, the whole nine yards. And of course, now we knew at the time it was all complete crap. And now in retrospect, we know it was even worse than that. They knew and they decided anyway to carry on with harming and abusing their own citizens. And this is the UK that we're talking about, but honestly, same program was run in Canada, of course, and New Zealand and Australia and the United States. Not so much in other places, but to varying degrees across the Western world. So let's, uh, what is my summary here about the lockdown files? Well, we know this. We know they lied to us about the COVID case versus infection data, making it seem worse than it was. We know that they deployed the media to run nudge unit messaging. That's going to be another episode in the series here. With the aim of scaring people, they lied to create more alarm and economic harms. They did that on purpose as a means of driving people to get vaccinated and for any other reasons they might have had related to power, greed, avarice, you name it, that's what they were doing. And they used, not uses, they used scariants here um, to uh, create more panic and fear. And they did that. And of course, we know that they blocked effective early treatments. I covered that. Remember the so-called um, recovery trial? Uh, I'll tell you more about that one. I have to drag that one back up because it was really awful. And they promoted quite harmful. And this is uh, one of the episodes in this series is about how harmful the hospital treatments were, and of course, the very, very vague at-home treatments, which were go home, and if your lips turn blue, come back, and then we'll do these other awful things to you over here. Uh, and of course, they also hid the vaccination harms over time, and they overplayed the effectiveness of the vaccines. Remember, three times as enemy action, we have 100 cases where everything they did was in service of power, control, greed, but not public health, not your health, not grandma's health, not grandpa's health. None of that was part of it. So this is really atrocious. Obviously, it's a gigantic scandal. Obviously, we should never trust these people again. Obviously, the institutional and governmental entity damage that happened was extraordinary. Public trust has been destroyed. Trust in the medical system has been destroyed. This is really bad. It's as bad as it looks. So what my message for all of this is, listen, folks, you have to get ready for the idea that nothing's going to change in time to pull us out of this tailspin that we're in. Not, not just a trust tailspin. That's part of it. But the economic, economic stuff that's about to come down, the energy stuff that's about to come down, the fact that we have food shortages looming, the fact that there's geopolitical tensions, the people in charge couldn't even figure out how to do the right thing for the bulk of their citizens when the opportunity was to either do the right thing or make a couple of bucks for themselves. It's really that bad. It got exposed. There's no way a rational person would think it got fixed because somebody new got elected in and you know all the other people just skated off with their fat bank accounts and nothing happened to them. Remember, without truth, there can be no reconciliation. This is part of getting to the truth, but the reconciliation has to have some measure of consequences that have to be part of this without consequences for these people, and by which I mean very public consequences, perp walks with the handcuffs, out to the van, off you go, public trials, 
long criminal conviction and jail time sentencings, right? Without those things happening, nothing changes. So common knowledge is dangerously close. We're getting there. But IX, as bad as these lockdown files are, I actually think they're covering up for something that's even darker and worse. And we're going to get to that in one of the next episodes. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time.